Amen. If you want to turn to the back of your hymnals to page 870. Uh, we're up to question 16 uh, today. We're going to look at just that question. And uh, uh, with only a few Sunday evenings in total between now and the end of May, uh, you might be wondering how far are we going to get uh, <laughs> before then. Uh, Lord willing, uh, we're going to be batching a few questions in the next few weeks. So next week, we're going to look at the next few questions about the fall um, and, and what it means. Um, and so, uh, and then there'll be a few as well as we get into the Christology section. Not that we want to rush through those, but we very recently went through that material, and I'll point you to some good resources. And so just so you know, we'll, the pace will pick up for those that, you know, think about things like that. Um, but today, just one question, because there's enough here. Uh, let me read the question, question 16, uh, and then you could help me uh, read the answer. Did all mankind fall in Adam's first transgression? The covenant being made with Adam, not only for himself, but for his posterity, all mankind, descending from him by ordinary generation, sinned in him and fell with him in his first transgression. That's one of the longer answers in our catechism, right? And we'll, and we'll break it apart here tonight. Uh, let me just read to you 1 Corinthians 15, 22, which we've seen before. Uh, but again, it's, it's such a good anchoring verse when we start uh, talking about this subject. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And so we continue to think about our first parents, Adam and Eve. Uh, and we've talked a bit about, uh, last week we talked about sin, what is sin. Um, and here we start to think, um, in some ways historically, what brought us to this point? Uh, I think most Christians on some level, not every Christian, uh, would say, you know, without Christ we're, we're fallen, we're sinful, we need a Savior. Uh, you know, if we use language like that, most Christians would nod their head. Um, but this question wants to probe a little bit deeper and ask, what brought us to this point? What's our relationship with Adam and Eve when they fell? How did that relate to us? And uh, this is a more difficult question and um, because in some ways we don't like when someone tells us that we're like our parents, right? Um, especially depending on who it is, right? When, when we're younger, we, we kind of, you know, as you grow up, you get used to, you kind of roll your eyes as, as people in church tell you how much you look like your parents or how much you sound like them. Uh, you know, you, you kind of laugh it off. Um, but what about if one of your siblings says, you know, you're being just like dad right now? Um, it's always a compliment, right? Um, and then it, perhaps the second unforgivable sin uh, scripturally is when your spouse says, uh, you're being just like <laughs> your dad or your mom, right? Uh, don't do that. <laughs> uh, we, we don't, in some ways, it, it, in many ways, we like thinking, oh, I'm like my parents in many ways. Uh, but again, that rugged individual in us says, no, 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 I'm nothing like my parents. I chose everything about me, from the music I like to the clothes I wear. Uh, we, we don't like it. Uh, and yet, it, it, in some ways, as we get older, that whittles down as we come to respect our parents more by God's grace. But I think some of that is why we get a little bit queasy when we start to think of, okay, Adam and Eve, they were the first parents, um, and they sinned. I get it. And maybe if I was there, maybe I would have sinned too. But what does Adam's sin have to do with me, right? Uh, in what way am I like my first parents? And in, in what way did my first parents' actions actually have a bearing on my life? 
And this question helps summarize this for us. Again, that, that passage, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive, sort of in a big picture way says it, uh, that we died with Adam, we died in Adam, and we're only risen to life in Christ Jesus. Uh, but the catechism question is pulling some scripture together to say, let's wrestle with this a little bit. What brought us to this point? What, what's the relationship here? And so we're going to look just line by line uh, through this very helpful language of the catechism. And I'm going to ask three questions in our brief time together. Uh, did Adam represent all of us? That's the first question. Uh, number two, did we all sin in Adam? And number three, did we all fall in Adam? And then we'll end by looking at Christ and what it means that we have life with him. So did Adam represent all of us? Uh, the catechism says yes. The covenant, <laughs> short answer, the covenant being made with Adam, not only for himself, but for his posterity, right, or his, uh, the generations uh, coming from him. And we've spent a little bit of time wrestling with this idea of the covenant, and, um, and there'll be plenty of other opportunities, but just to, just to review, a, a covenant, a binding agreement between two parties, but when we think of a biblical covenant, it's God the creator, as our confession says, condescending to enter into a binding agreement with creatures, which is us. Uh, which is incredible in and of itself. <laughs> he made us. Um, he could have just made us and left us to, you know, whatever happened. But he entered into a covenant with his people. And it, it, perhaps you remember—actually, uh, let me ask you, because we've talked about this quite a bit. What's the main promise of of God's covenants with us? I will be your God, and you will— be my people. That's, that's the heart. And uh, O. Palmer Robertson calls that the Emmanuel principle, the God with us principle. When you start, uh, it's sort of like when you get a certain uh, brand of car, and then when you start driving around, you realize they're everywhere because <laughs> uh, you're noticing them. When you, when you see this Emmanuel principle, it's just everywhere in Scripture. Uh, everywhere in Scripture, as God says, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And so we call this the covenant of grace— uh, and this is the overarching covenant where God promises to do whatever it takes, uh, namely the death of his own son, uh, that we would be his God. And, uh, that we, yeah, you know, thank you. <laughs> he sorts it out. Uh, we would be his people and he would be our God. That's the covenant of grace. Uh, but we've talked about the fact that there's, there's two covenants in, in Scripture, two big ones. So the covenant of grace works itself out in, in, in smaller covenants, right? Covenant with Abraham. Moses, David, uh, these are all part of the one covenant of grace. But there's this other covenant that we've been talking about with Adam and Eve, the covenant of works, or we've called it the covenant of life, or the covenant with Adam. There's a few different terms that help us think about what was this covenant with Adam. Um, but covenant of works gets at the expectation, right? God is the creator. He made Adam and Eve. Uh, we talked about they were able to obey, and they were able to not obey. Uh, they were able to sin. And God's expectation of them as creator was perfect, perpetual, personal obedience, right? And we as fallen creatures kind of think like, oh, that's kind of, that's unfair. But think about it. The creator <laughs> creates a creature and expects that they will love him and obey him, right? I mean, that's that's the perfect expectation. Uh, that's righteous and holy on God's part. Uh, it's like our parable this morning, right? Um uh, that Jesus gave where the, the servant says, I'm an unworthy servant. I've just done what was required of me, right? I'm not some superhero because I obeyed you. 
Um, in the same way, if, if Adam and Eve had gone on to obey, they would have been rewarded, but not sort of in a way where Adam's like, okay, God, you owe me now. <laughs> uh, because look at how much I've obeyed you, and I just went above and be No, it would just be, I, I love you, and I've done what you've commanded. That's it. And so this is the covenant of works. Um, and uh, in the covenant of works, when Adam and Eve uh, broke that, when they ate of the forbidden fruit, uh, the punishment was death. The punishment was death. And so as we wrap up the small section on sort of covenant 101, something we haven't talked about is each biblical covenant has certain things. It has stipulations. Do this, don't do this. It has blessings. It promises of God. You know, I will give you the land. I will be your God. You will be my people. It has curses for disobedience, including the first with Adam and Eve. And something we haven't talked as much about, it, each covenant has a mediator, has a mediator or the head of the covenant uh, with whom the covenant is made. And then that person represents everyone else who is in the covenant. Uh, with Christ, I think it's easier sort of in our minds once we come to believe, oh, I'm, I'm in Christ. And so in Christ, I'm, I'm treated the way that Christ should be treated. He obeyed on my behalf. He died on my behalf. Um, and so God now treats me according to the covenant head, which is Christ. Um, but if we sort of start at the end, the glorious end of that, we, we have to work back and say, okay, in the covenant of works, who was the covenant head of that covenant? But Adam, right? Uh, Adam, as we, uh, it, it, some theologians will say, he was a public person. Whether he liked it or not, I don't know how much he thought about it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how aware he was or, you know, of thinking, oh, I'm representing the rest of the human race. Um, but either way, uh, he was representing us so that if he obeyed and was blessed for it, we would join in that. Uh, or as we've seen, if he would fall, we would fall with him. We would fall with him. It, there's not perfect analogies, but, you know, a, a, an ambassador in a foreign land representing their country doesn't have the luxury to say, I'm just kind of making decisions and just doing my own thing. <laughs> it, don't, don't think anything about the United States. This is just me. This is just me. <laughs> That's not an option, right? If, if you've taken on that role, then what you do does represent those uh, to whom you were representing, whether they like it or not, whether you like it or not, in that sense. Um, and so that's this first part of this catechism question, and you could see why this is a deeper question. The covenant being made with Adam, not just for himself, but for all of his posterity. That's what sets us up. If Adam falls, then we fall. And so the question, too, did, did, did we all sin in Adam? Uh, the next part of the question, you could see it there, says, All mankind, descending from him by ordinary generation, sinned in him. Uh, sinned in him. Of course, it's, it's good to note here. Um, actually, we'll, we'll note that later. That'll be better for later. All mankind sinned in Adam. So, okay, I get that he represents me, uh, but you're saying that when he sinned, there's a sense in which I sinned. And this is sort of a strange concept to us, right? A strange concept to us. But again, if we, if we start with Christ— and work our way backwards, because we have that glorious New Testament lens that sheds light uh, back on the Old Testament. So we, we start with the, the mystery's been revealed in Christ. Now we can look back with more clarity. Uh, you know, we have that precious verse in Second Corinthians 5.21, For our sakes he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We've looked at that over the last few weeks. 
this is what um, theologians will call imputation. It's one of those fancy words, but it's a very helpful word. Uh, Christ's obedience is imputed to us, credited to us. It's as if we obeyed. Our sin is imputed to Christ, so that when he died on the cross, it, it's as if he was the worst sinner in the history of mankind, as, as Luther said. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. Uh, we call this the great exchange. Um, it's not a fair exchange. It, it's all of God's grace. And so this sort of this biblical and, and historical mechanism, when we start with Christ, we say, okay, it, there's mystery there, but I, okay, my sin is given to him, his righteousness to me. Um, when we think then of Adam as representing all of us, uh, it does mean that his sin was imputed to us. Um, now, this leads to many questions uh, that people have. Is that fair? You know, I didn't vote for Adam. <laughs> He's not like my elected representative. <laughs> um, uh, so we, we have questions about this, right? Because in any analogy we give in this world, uh, again, like an elective representative or something like that, uh, there's some sort of mutual agreement. Um, and so some people see this as, wait a minute, is this uh, fair? Um, but it, it, it's interesting. Uh, one analogy I came across uh, this week is it, it, it's a bit more like uh, a father selling himself and his family into slavery. Can you picture this? This would have lasting effects, generational effects on that family, right? So the next generation would be born in slavery uh, because of the decision of the father. Uh, but of course, that analogy breaks down because the next generation certainly would say, I, I don't want to be a slave. I, I want to be out of here. And so it, it's a helpful analogy, but our analogy is, is worse because even if we might say, well, that seems unfair, you know, Adam's decision, my life. Uh, but if we use that analogy of being born in slavery, we're born into it and we love it. And we start enslaving others. Do you see where the analogy breaks down? So it's, it's one thing to sort of wrestle with that dynamic. Okay, Adam's sin, that affects me. I need to wrestle with that. But either way, we're in a place where we sin and we love our sin. Uh, there's no sinner who is saying, I would have never sinned if it wasn't for Adam. <laughs> you know, um, he made me sin. No, before Christ, we're in sin and we love our sin. And so, um, so when the catechism says all mankind uh, sinned in him, uh, it's talking about the fact that Adam himself um, imputed to us, and then the fact that we then sin and we love our uh, sin. Uh, Romans five eighteen through 19 says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners. Do you hear that? By the one man's disobedience, Adam... The many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Uh, so indeed, Adam's, it, it's so interesting. What, it, a couple weeks ago, we asked, what is sin? And we focused on sort of what we call actual sins, right? Breaking the Ten Commandments, so like a, a sin that happens in time, whether in your mind or, or action. Here, in the next few weeks, we're wrestling with our sinful condition, uh, what we call original sin. And we'll spend more time next week on it. Uh, but it's interesting, it actually all started with an actual sin. So Adam sinned, broke the law. Uh, by that, we were all made sinners. That's original sin, which we'll look at next week. And from that flow, all the actual sins that we do. Do you see that? 
starts with one sin, we become sinners, and then sin just abounds from our nature. Um, And so this is sort of the progression uh, that has happened and what we find ourselves uh, trapped in without Christ. And so so we have to say, okay, we, we sinned in Adam, even if we wrestle with the nuances of what that means. But so then we say, did we fall with Adam? We've sort of answered it, but the the catechism says, and fell with him in his first transgression. As in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And we'll we'll look next week especially. What what is that fallen condition that we've found ourselves in before Christ? What's the guilt of it? What's the misery of it? What's the sinfulness of it? Uh, the next questions will. Uh, deal uh, with this. Um, and so, uh, again, whether whether someone agrees that, uh, or even understands covenant theology, or that Adam was their covenant head, uh, we, w- we would hope that they would come to love studying these things, but either way, someone can come to a knowledge of saying, I am desperately wicked, and I need a Savior to save me. Um, you, you think of the thief on the cross, you know, if if you said, a thief on the cross, did all mankind uh, fall in Adam's first transgression? He might stare at you strangely, but what did he know? Today I'm going to be with Christ in paradise. Christ, remember me when you enter your kingdom. He threw himself upon Christ. And Christ is the one to throw ourselves upon because uh, I said we'd come back to this. The catechism very geniusly points to something different about Christ. All mankind uh, descending from him... By ordinary generation, sinned in him and fell in him in Adam's first transgression. So, descending from him by ordinary generation. Did, did, would, now, in one sense, Christ is, a, is you know, uh, is it Matthew goes from, anyway, tracing it from Adam to Christ. So, he's a son of Adam in that sense. He's truly human, right? So, we're not saying that. Uh, but did Jesus have, was Jesus ordinarily generated? No, <laughs> thank good, good answer. Um, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit uh, in 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 the womb of the Virgin Mary, as we'll see in a few weeks. Um, and so, it, the Catechism very geniusly says, in in one sense, did all mankind fall? In one sense, yes, but in a different sense, no. All but one. Uh, Christ did not share in this corrupted nature. Uh, Christ was not in Adam in this sense. Uh, he was not born into slavery or the, the disease of sin or whichever metaphor we want to use. No, because he was the second Adam. Uh, he came and, and uh, was not connected with Adam in that same way so that he could be our new mediator. Uh, so that those whom the Holy Spirit would open their eyes uh, to, to say, I don't want to be in Adam, I want to be in Christ. Remember me when you enter your kingdom, Christ. Uh, he's the one that we can look to. He's the one who was lifted up on the cross. Um, And as we'll see, he's the one who did not leave us in a state of sin and misery, but he came to do the will of his Father, to save his people. He came to seek and save those of us who were lost. Uh, This is the Jesus that we have. Let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you for uh, even this catechism question. What a helpful tool uh, to help us summarize uh, scriptural teaching, uh, to point us to the gospel of Jesus. We thank you that if we have put our trust in you, it means that we are in Christ, uh, Lord, and no one can snatch us out of his hand. And we thank you for that, Lord. We pray for our friends and neighbors who 
are has have, have not yet put their trust in Christ, uh, that even this week, even this year, you would open their eyes to the gospel. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.